Hi, welcome to Going Off Track. My name is Jonah. My name is Brad. And together, we are Logie. You're Logie? <laughs> that's, my, that's a word for tired. Oh, I am pretty tired. I'm maybe going to drink some coffee. Although, I feel like if I drink coffee, it's, it's like 6 o'clock here. If I drink coffee, I might be up all night. You know, it's funny. So it's, yeah, it's 6 o'clock. I mean, it's funny that, like, you know, we're sitting here talking about how we both feel kind of like um, a little relaxed, I guess, or plain tired. But it must be really obvious to our listeners who are lis- are usually hear us at eleven in the morning when we're jazzed on yeah on uh, Stump Town Coffee. Well, let me let me, <laughs> which is very strong. It's coffee. a different vibe. Well, let me take you through my day. <laughs> uh, wake up eight o'clock. Um, didn't really do anything last night. Wake up at eight. Uh, Take this hot yoga class at nine, moto yoga. Um, then I went home, and on my way home, my friend Christina texted me and said, uh, "My mover cut his hand open on the van, Ouch. and he had to go to the ER." And she was moving to my neighborhood, and she was like, "And I have a van with my bed and all my stuff in it parked on the street that I've rented, and I can't carry anything in by myself. My mover's gone. Can you help me?" <laughs> And I was like, yes, I can. I'm almost home. So I rode my bike over there. It took like four minutes. It was so close. And so I spent like a half hour helping her move stuff. And I was like, you could just ask me to help you move. (laughs) So I helped her move. And then I went home and I meditated. And then I made a smoothie and did some work. And then I came here. So I feel like I've done a lot of stuff. Yeah, dude. You've had a full day. I've had a full day and it's only six o'clock. And so and um, you've been you've exerted yourself physically in I've two done, separate instances. I've done a lot of physical exertion. I didn't think the moving thing was gonna be that that bad and it wasn't. It was but it was a lot of stuff like this couch parts. It was a lot of stuff that wasn't heavy but very awkward. Oh yeah, that's the worst. Positioning. So I like I was like, Oh, this isn't so bad. It's not so heavy. And then like we stopped and I was like, My shirt is just drenched in no. sweat. How did this happen? Now move yeah, and it was a hot day. Yeah. But moving Yeah, it's not the weight, dude. It's like trying to move furniture and stuff like around stairs. That's impossible. You know what I like about it though? And this is not this is just one of my weird just this really makes me sound like a dick. <laughs> but I like sort of how I like helping people move A because it's like it's helpful and it's like a good thing to do as a friend. I feel like it's good karma. But also there's something really satisfying about moving stuff in and then being like, all right, well, I'm not moving. So like I'm done with this <laughs> whole process for <laughs> you didn't me. mean when you leave with a living room full yeah. of boxes yeah, and, and crap like, all over yeah, the place? Yeah, like I don't have to unpack this stuff. I don't have to hang stuff, which I clearly I don't because I still haven't hung anything in my apartment. Yeah. I've been there for two years. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of nice. the worst part. It kind of reminds you how much moving sucks yeah. and the fact that like you're not doing it. Yeah. It does suck. It I've, does suck. I've done it a lot in this town. It's I have too. It's been difficult every time. I'm honestly, man, what I, my my thing now, what I'm trying to do is like get rid of anything I don't need and keep stuff clean because I feel like every time I'm like, I move, I'm like, I have so much extra shit I have to move and I'm like, and everything's like, my fridge is dirty. I got to clean all. I got to spend a w- two weeks clean. I'm like, I just want everything to be like organized and clean so when i have to move it's gonna be like all right i'm gonna do this it's a good practice yeah it's yeah. hard routine maintenance will always routine maintenance off. is huge and that's something that has took taken me a very long time to learn <laughs> i don't know Just, if i m- mentioned this once before but i had a friend named billy quite a character who moved quite often he moved here to new york at the same time i did he, and the same age and so 
similar stories. He's moving like every year or two. But Billy would like, when it came time to move, he'd come home with a bottle of uh, wild turkey and he would pack a small duffel bag while drinking the wild turkey and then he would carry everything else that he owned out into the street or the backyard, whatever was convenient, and burn it. Wow. I don't know if you could get away with it now. It might be tough. In certain parts of Brooklyn, you could. Yeah. And then he would walk off with his duffel bag, and that was it. He was done. He was kind of a nut. Yeah. In a good way. Fun. Fun nut. I'm kind of jealous. That sounds... It sounds actually kind of fun. It's like a purging, you know? It's like yeah. the burning is better than there's just throwing so much, it all out. Yeah, there's so much stuff I feel like I have that I don't need. I just have this box in my room of, like, tax statements from, like, 2001, <laughs> which, like, receipts and stuff. Dude, the worst is, you know, like, <clears throat> I have a storage space now that's in my building, but I pay for it. It's extra. And it's not as much as, you know, when I was at, like, Manhattan Mini Storage. Right. But I remember going over there one, at one point and just being like doing the math in my head and like essentially there's not a lot of stuff that you own if you live in new york that's worth putting into storage because right. after it being in there for a year it's literally like, like i a- did the, I, I can't remember it now but i did the math where like you know like a vase say that was like a cubic square foot is and is gonna end up costing like five hundred dollars you know to store it for a couple of years like is it fucking worth it no. right yeah you don't do the math, it's depressing. Yeah, I like not having stuff. It's very zen. You can get away with it. It is. But here in America, we got stuff. We do. And uh, books is the one I struggle with. Um, And I rarely keep books. And they're hard to move. They're hard to move. But I will say, there's a cookbook that I got that I'm keeping, and it was written by today's guest on Going Off Track. Um, It was written by Tyler Cord. It's called A Super Upsetting Cookbook About Sandwiches. And uh, I haven't actually made anything out of it yet, um, <laughs> but I've had many of Tyler's sandwiches, and they're amazing. Tyler, um, they're so amazing that you had to get him on the show and talk about. I it. did. Well, me and Tyler, we'll talk about all this stuff. But me and Tyler's emo bands played together in college like fifteen years ago, and uh, we kind of reconnected out here at his restaurant, Number Seven Seven Fort Green. And since then, he opened a Number Seven Sub in uh, the Ace Hotel. They've one in Dubbo. They have something in the Plaza. Um, they have a restaurant in Greenpoint and they just opened a number seven veggie in the Whole Foods on Bedford. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's great. I got us, it's all vegetarian sandwiches and like they have fries, Brussels sprouts. It's a pretty small menu, but everything on it I've had is really good. And Tyler's there a lot. Um, but yeah, he came on here because he's promoting this cookbook, which is like a real legit cookbook and it's written in a super... It's really funny. It's really educational. It's got drawings by, um, illustrations by uh, a fellow named Eggleston, who's a very famous illustrator. He's known, I guess, for his dogs. What's his name? William Eggleston? What is it, Brad? I think. This is something I should have looked up before. William Wegman. William Wegman. Oh, Wegman, yeah. William Wegman. Really? Why did I say Eggleston? That's the guy who did. He's a famous artist. Yeah, famous artist. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah, he did the the hounds. What do you? Call yes, it? he did the hounds. If you want to find out how particular Ty- kind of hound, I can't think of it now. How Tyler got him? Guess what? It's something we talk about on this podcast. So I'm gonna just let you listen to this You're podcast. Gonna release the hounds. I'm gonna release the hounds <gasps> with this podcast with Chef Tyler Cord. I'm going off track. It's going off track. <laughs> 
But have you been watching the Republican National Convention? Cause no, it, I won't. Yeah, because it can't. feels like it is happening. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> it's it's like one of the few things that's happened politically in my lifetime, honestly, that I know exactly what's playing out there, and I can't watch it. I don't understand. Like, I literally can't yeah, subject I, myself I, to it my, anymore. My wife keeps watching it, and I keep... We had a, I had a moment the other night where I almost lost my mind, like wa- watching it. What was the tipping point? It, it, it wasn't even Giuliani. No, I, th- I didn't see Giuliani. I think it was I think it was just Chris Christie. Oh, another being piece horribly of work. Chris Christie. I made it, but it was like I don't know. I had a bunch of moments. I had to, I had to walk outside, take a break. Just and, like it literally, it drove you to needing air. But then she was like, "Do you want to change the channel?" And I was like, "But Donald Trump's going to come on in twenty minutes," and I kind of. Like, that feels like the one part of it that we should be watching. But it was just all the, like, his kids and the dude who started the UFC and... Oh, yeah, another, another piece of work. All, like, all... I don't know. It was just... It feels like an entire half of this country that truly has zero empathy for other people. And so they're just... It's just yeah. Like, it feels so... They're all so selfish and horrible. That's anyway. A, was it always, like... Was it? Maybe I'm just missing it. Did they always have their like families up there and stuff? Because I, I never, I felt like it wasn't that. Bill Burr had like the best bit that someone posted, where it's like him talking about the first lady. It's like I don't. He's like I didn't vote for the first lady. It's like it's like you call right. a plumber to fix something and says, "Ah, eh, well, it's this, this," and then like the plumber's wife comes in. It's like, well, actually, I think he's like, hey, "Who the fuck asked you?" I mean, I think <laughs> I heard a plumber, <laughs> and he's like, "Is this going to be the same thing with a female president?" It's like her husband chime in. It's like, yeah, I don't care what you have to say. I didn't sure. vote for you. I think they're there to humanize, and like I think that always happens. But with this one particular, they're like, "How do we make Donald Trump look like likable? He's not this horrible, horrible dude that he so clearly is." Right. Um. Yeah. So his so his his family's there, but I, they don't make him. I don't know. I the whole thing is pretty upsetting. Yeah. But that's where I feel like beyond the family with that stuff. I mean, this is everyone's opportunity to cash in, family included. Oh, sure, sure, like, sure. There's already is, speculation that, like, Trump Jr. is yeah. is is about to start. This this is, like, him launching himself into politics. These are oh, ops for the family. I didn't even, I, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like, they're sure. all, like, into their own shit. And this is the most press they will ever get. So yep. they will say whatever the fuck they have to say <laughs> to get on that stage yeah. and to be a part of it. Right. I didn't think and, about and that. And that's where I don't even, I mean, who can even fault them for that? Like, this sure. is their, like, are they going to be the one kid who's like, no, I don't really like my dad. And then they're probably in like a gulag black bagged <laughs> or something within a couple months. And yeah. they were like, oh, he was crazy. He killed himself, you know, because that's probably what would happen at this point. I don't think Trump would let one of... I think he would eat one of his children before <laughs> before this stopped. Well, speaking of eating, today in the podcast, ah. we have... Are we, are we recording this? I'm sorry. Y- yeah. We now we're rolling. A Trump child, to me, is like, <laughs> is like some sort of really, like, tacky, overpriced, like, foie gras sandwich, but one that's like been plastic wrapped and left in like a cooler for three days but they're still charging like 20 bucks for it <laughs> yeah does that sound right i mean i think that's not what the, how they're trying to present themselves <laughs> i think they're trying to present themselves is like yeah like the really the most badass foie gras that doesn't take shit from anybody but it's on like 
not fancy. It's on like an English right. muffin. Yeah. Like but not like a really, yeah. not like a, <laughs> right. not like a bespoke English muffin. Like it's on a Thomas's English muffin and, and go fuck yourself. That's what we're eating. <laughs> But, the, but this that, is the best fagua. But that, yeah. But that ever. being said, like how? <laughs> because they keep positioning themselves as like they keep talking about how like our dad raised us to he taught us to use a shovel and like yes we were yes we were building these mansions and and, and skyscrapers but like we were there learning how to pour concrete and stuff. That's uh, so that that that's where they're oh. that's the angle that they're taking. Because th- that was going to be not only are we awesome, but our it's because our dad gets it and he he's he's not okay. an elitist and he's not like okay okay he doesn't Salt care what he doesn't earth. care what that you know million dollar an hour architect says he wants to talk to the to the dude that is you sure. know doing the doing all the uh drywall well that's where i was confused because i'm like so how does someone whose attempt is to publicize themselves as the most untouchable foie gras there is but you're selling yourself to the baloney crowd sure so I know yeah, it's, it's all about the bread. I think that that's. Oh, uh, I see. I see. <laughs> uh, how important uh, is bread when it comes to a sandwich? Uh, I mean, I, it's not really a sandwich without it, right? So in that sense, it's absolutely crucial. Um, but I, but I'm not. Uh, I mean, I love, I love bread. I guess I don't, I don't over fetishize the bread that that I use for my sandwiches, though. Like. There's a difference between the bread that I want to just maybe put some butter and a piece of ham on and just uh, and just eat it really simply versus the bread that like I, you know with a really complex awesome um, sourdough situation like that's great and I, I I love to eat that but that's that's not I'm not looking for anything that complex on a sandwich so I would say that the bread is still super important but it's it to me it's important that it not get in the way of the sandwich itself mm. which is which is the sum total of all all of the things, you know? So that being said, in the idea of sandwich building, is the bread more of a conduit for taste or for... Um, texture? Texture. I or, mean, I think, it's, I think it's both of those things, and I think it's also just the convenience of being able to pick the thing up in your hands and eat it, right? Well, yeah. yeah it works for me. That's a good point. Um, I want to back up before we get too into the sandwich. Um, I'm sure we're talking in the intro. Uh, Tyler just wrote this book, a super upsetting cookbook about sandwiches. I did that. Tyler Gord, chef, number seven sub, artwork by William Wegman. We'll get into all that. But me and Tyler met when our bands played together in college like 15 years ago. Yeah. Tyler, It was was longer than that. Longer, I guess. Well, I graduated college in 2002. I graduated in 2000, so it had to have been... It had to have been before 2000. Before 2000? Yeah. It was in the late 90s. Because I was probably in that band when I was like a freshman, sophomore. Which bands were these, fellas? Uh, Tyler was in a band called Scenes from the Next. You guys, you guys were based in Oberlin, where you were going to school. Mm-hmm. And I was in this band called Mumra. Mumra. And we, I was in Ithaca College, and our... And sing- Oberlin is close to Ithaca? Not, no. Not really. But our singer, Brent, was from Ithaca. And Tyler... I'm from Ithaca. And yeah. Tyler's from Ithaca, so... I was in this band and we we went to Oberlin. We went to a party at your house. Yeah. Because Brent was also in this band called Somebody Loses an Eye who played there. And yeah, our band. And then we played some shows together. Yeah, I think so. That's yeah, so long ago. It was, yeah, I guess it was in 2000. And then I didn't see Tyler for years. And then I had some friends who worked at Number 7 Restaurant in Fort Greene. And I was there one day. I think, I think it was like Brendan or skirty someone and they were yeah. like 
there we got introduced me and tyler and i was like you look so from he was like you look familiar i was like yeah i was like were you in scenes from the next things like yeah and i was like it's so crazy and so many people that work at this restaurant he's like um it's my restaurant i'm the chef <laughs> and i was like oh that's cool and then yeah. tyler opened like 40 more restaurants 45 at this point 45 <laughs> at this point um but yeah and me and tyler but ta- no one's ever been like were you in scenes from the you know like my like college stupid band no yeah. one's ever said that to me before yeah and my were you also in that band also no one's ever said that to me about mumra my college stupid band but uh but yeah to me mumra was great where are those guys who knows and tall brothers who knows they actually came when united nations played in seattle they came oh good uh brent and chris do they live there i think so yeah, yeah. um but uh but yeah, to me, like when that kind of stuff happens, it's so crazy because it's like, who would have ever thought? Yeah. Were you, I mean, were you into cooking and stuff at that point in your life or was is that something that came after college? No, I always liked cooking. I didn't cook a ton in that house because it was like, um, that house was kind of like the set of jackass a lot of the time. And it was, <laughs> I think if I had tried to cook anything, somebody would have put something upsetting into the food. Yeah. So, um, so I didn't cook a lot there, but like when I was home, on breaks, I would always cook with my mom, and yeah, I was I always really liked it. I didn't think that, that it was necessarily going to be a career at that point, but I loved I loved doing it. So, what did you? So, you grew up in Ithaca, mm-hmm. went to school in Oberlin, and then what did you do? You went back to Ithaca, or you came to New York? Or? No, I moved straight here, and I tried to work. I wanted to write, and I tried to work in publishing, and I like kind of did that for a few years, where I um, kept getting. It was two thousand. I kept getting these jobs that were like the the like web part of publications like i worked for at the i interned at the village voice for a while but then i got a job for their website for a little while but got laid off because it was just like the time when websites were all going away but i but i for some reason kept getting these jobs even though i knew nothing about web design or any of that stuff but um anyway so i kept taking these like editing jobs on websites and getting laid off and then i but I wanted to write. I, I realized in all this that I think that I that I really wanted to write about food, but um, but I couldn't get anyone to give me a job. So I thought if I went to culinary school and had a, a literature degree and and a and a and a certificate of culinary excellence or whatever they call that, uh, that then I would be then I would be a shoe in that they would have to hire me. So I did all that, and then I just got so into cooking that I didn't that I that I didn't try to write. What anymore. was that like for you, um, trying to like go back to school and kind of restart another career, like while living in New York? That sounds like it could be difficult. How were you able to like well, sustain loans. yourself? What's that? <laughs> there were loans, couple loans, uh, and I and I worked while I was in school. But school itself was really fun because while college was tough, and I and I it, I don't know, I never felt like I was quite smart enough for it in a lot of ways and culinary school was like you just my homework is to like chop that that onion a bunch like I can totally like I was really good at it um so yeah so it was really fun aside from the like incredibly long hours of working and going to school and and I'm and I still have not paid off those lens but I will (laughs) so how did so the your first restaurant was number seven in Fort Greene Uh and how did that I mean how did that come about because to me like, I just can't imagine the, like, not only the financial strain, but, like, the logistics of, like, opening a place, getting people to come, like, hiring people. I mean, how did, 
A huge undertaking. Yeah. How did yeah. that come together? I mean, like, how do you yeah. even do something like that? Well, it was time. I had been cooking for like eight years or so, and it was time for me to take kind of the next step, which was be a chef for like, for the guy that I was already working for or to go off and try to do it on my own. And I didn't really know how to do that. But I, I knew that I kind of, that sounded more fun. Um, but I had this buddy uh, who actually a guy that I went to college with, his name is Matt, Matthew Matty. And he and I, uh, I hadn't talked to him in a long time, but he had been building bars and restaurants the whole time that I had been working in them. And uh, so I called him and I was like, hey, can you explain to me how one opens a restaurant? And uh, so I made this big dinner. He came over and he was like, you know what? I'll just let's I'll do it with you. Let's just do it. So he knew how to do it. So we neither of us had any money, but we um, he knew people that had money. He he knew some people like that knew some people, and there throughout my career, there's always been these uh, people that are like, oh, when you're ready, you know, like say the word, and me and my friends, and those people all disappear in the end. It turns out, but um, <laughs> but we like scraped together enough money from people to put down the a deposit for the space and to kind of get started. And so then once we had this space where where the restaurant where number seven is now, we were able to like. I lived right down the street, so we'd have people over to my apartment. I'd cook like a 12-course dinner throughout which we'd get them hammered drunk. And then we'd like walk them over to the space and be like, the bar is going to be here and the tables are here. And like, you're going to look so cool standing right here. And um, and yeah, so over, it took a long time, but we and we kept having, we would like get a, like a little chunk of money and we'd do some work and then we'd have to stop for a couple of weeks and then we'd get somebody else to give us some money and we'd keep going. And Then you would manipulate your friends with food and wine yeah, exactly. and get some more. <laughs> and, yeah, like, and so eventually we opened <laughs> the restaurant and, but yeah, it's basically you say like, I own 100% of this restaurant that doesn't exist and it's going to cost X to build it. And I'll sell you, you know, 50% of the company for that money and then it'll be open and then we'll all get paid back presumably. But then it turns out it's New York city and that's, it's not that simple because it's really expensive and difficult to do things here. But anyway, that's when the you when you version. do those deals, is there a time frame when you have to pay people back and like at what kind sure. of like interest do you I have mean, to pay these? Sure, people but that's back? all contractual, right? Like yeah. you could just say it could literally be if you were that good, it could be as simple as saying, "I own one hundred percent of this business. I will sell you about half of it for you know the two hundred thousand dollars I need to open this you know this thing." Um, and it's just then it's it's just negotiation. They could say, "Well, no, I'm only going to give you a hundred thousand dollars, and I want the same amount, and I want you to, I want this kind of interest if you don't." It's just a contract. Or they know, could like, say, "Like I'll give you even more cash, but you give me an ownership stake, like sixty percent, or like some, sure, like just it's a negotiation, right? Yeah, you're yeah. selling, you're selling part of a something that doesn't exist, but you're selling it. Well, Shark Tank, so you sell it for you can you can you can sell it for what you want, but they don't have to buy it. At, you know, they can argue about the rate or whatever. But okay. I think I fundamentally learned all these concepts from Mark Cuban. Yeah. On TV. Yeah. He's good. He knows his stuff. He does. Smart guy. Yeah. He's like the ultimate dream to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why guy. That? Well, because he was like a dude who like grew up going to like Dallas Mavericks games and then like made just a, you know, stupid amount of money and then bought his favorite basketball team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just great. To yeah. Me. That's like the ultimate, like, cool story <laughs> yeah, I, was, I mean cool. I, I could never imagine myself making nearly enough money to buy the new jersey or i even said the new jersey nets been the brooklyn nets for a long time but if i could 
I would. Yeah. I know it's a non sequitur for what we're talking no, no. about. I think it's interesting. I'm just trying to think of like, I feel like it would be cooler to buy the New Jersey Nets, but then like give them to, I don't know. I have to think about this. Like, there grand- is like a, I feel like there is, yes, this is my childhood team and I bought this team, but there's something, there's something beyond that, you know? Oh, uh, I mean, if I was rich enough to buy the Brooklyn Nets and relocate them back to New Jersey, being the <laughs> hero of New Jersey. Yeah. I mean, that, like, I could get a statue yeah, I'm gonna, I would, for me. I wouldn't be thrilled because we're right down the street from there. And <laughs> oh, that stadium does not hurt business. Yeah, yeah that's sure. true. You just have to find us a different team, I guess. You, you know what? I'm glad we're doing this interview. I'm a Nets season ticket holder. I often find myself up that way. We're right down the street. It's like a five-minute walk. The things, I'm a vegetarian, but I hear the things you do with broccoli I got you covered. are serious. I actually had read that a broccoli dish you created is your favorite um, sandwich that you've ever created. I might have said that. I love, <laughs> I love broccoli. <laughs> I eat a lot of broccoli. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like you said in an interview a few years back, I don't uh-huh. know if you were just winging it, um, that you loved broccoli so much that you decided that more broccoli needed to be in Brooklyn yeah, and that you were going to serve more things with broccoli. I feel like I I think everybody uh, needs more broccoli. Don't much, you feel like when people... the chagrin of George Bush. Well, no. I feel like when people say they don't like broccoli or cauliflower, and these are foods I got into later in life too, like, sure. but I, when if someone's like, yeah, I don't like broccoli, I'm sort of like, yeah, grow up, dude. <laughs> I kind of feel like, and, I, and this is tough with, but I, I feel that way about all all food. Like, yeah. food tastes good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if enough people love something, then you can probably figure out how to love it, too. It might take a few times. Yeah. But I kind of don't, I don't have a ton of patience with my friends saying that the, when they're being picky about stuff and they're like, oh, yeah, I just don't really like that. I'm like, well, all right. Live your life. That's fine. Right. You know, whatever. <laughs> Tyler, like, you could just eat the damn You thing. have By the no way, food. Tyler, that's... Tyler says this in his book. He's, he, he has a joke about it where he's like, yeah, isn't speaking of that, isn't it weird when chefs say they don't like food? It's like musicians saying they don't like certain notes, which is <laughs> yeah, a really good are, parallel. There are some like hated, hated food stuffs out there and it's weird. But yeah, no, I mean like, no, I think I like, I think I, at this point, it's making it actually weirdly harder for me to be a chef because I've become... The more things that I eat and the more I experience and the more I like just like throughout my career, there have been things where I'm like, like, I, I don't like green peppers that much. So I like won't eat a green pepper for four years and then I'll have one and be like, oh, my God, this is so awesome, particularly probably because I haven't eaten in so right. long. And it's like brings back some memories and whatever. Anyway, so the the more I eat, the more I realize that I can find a way to love everything, especially again, like if if enough people love it, it's probably great, you know, like. People like overcooked chicken on purpose. Right. I can do that too. At the Dominican restaurant right by my house, they overcook chicken in like three or four different ways and they're all totally awesome. And I can get down with that. But it just, it's just about your expectations, I guess. But anyway, so yeah, I like all foods and that makes it tough to be a chef because now I'm like, I don't know what to serve anymore because I think everything tastes great. But but people are weird and picky about things and they want but I wonder certain how things much just so. And I kind of want to... Like, screw with that and overcook yeah. chicken or, like, what you know, I don't know. It's I, tricky. Or, I, like, yeah. cook broccoli until it's, like, mush because that's awesome, too. Like, because people are like, oh, I don't like broccoli because my mom used to overcook it. And I'm like, yeah, but that's delicious, too, dude. Yeah. Get into it. That's what I'm saying. Grow up. Um, I, you know what I made last night? I've been in CSA. I made uh-huh. uh, kohlrabi for the first time. Kohlrabi is pretty fun. And, yeah. And, like, almost broccoli. Yeah. 
I like kohlrabi. Do you, yeah, not bad. Do you, um, you know, I could see it and I, and I can only use the reference to music, but how sometimes you can see musicians get more and more involved with music. And like you even said, all foods are notes. Sure. And the longer and longer you get into music, a, a spectrum of notes you didn't even know were there open up and like all these things you'd love to experiment with. But sometimes when a musician goes down those paths, they find the people they're making music for can no longer, you know, um, understand what they're yeah. doing or and have no interest. It kind of in. sucks, doesn't it? Is I mean, that, like, I don't want to be that chef that's like, right. oh my God, I've embraced so the is that hard to here's my new record. To like, reel yourself you're back. Love it. It's, I love it. I don't care if you love it. It's perfect. And yeah. Is it, it, comes, like, I don't want to like, here's just all the food. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. It's tricky. I want to be discerning because that's what you want to eat and you want to hear a record by somebody that has a point of view that's like, this is what I'm, this is what this record is about. Sure. Not just like, blah, this is, I love all these different things. Let's celebrate them. Like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like, that's not that exciting. Right. And a restaurant should be that. And I, I feel like I need to like, refine that, you know, the like, no, no, I have really strong feelings about this, this, and this. But I, I just kind of love everything now. I think that's also sort of a part of getting older, though. Maybe, yeah. Because I feel like I, not in a bad way, but I feel like I care about stuff so much less. And now, like, yeah, anything you put in front of me, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is cool. Yeah. Like, and, and whenever people are real picky about stuff, I'm sort of like, how do you, are, is this even really what you think? Or is this like a pattern you're in? Or like, are you, you hate all this stuff. Like, there's no way. Like, you just made, this is just some weird construct. But, I mean, but what what's to say, so... If I'm going to use a music reference, I'll take like your standard CG chords uh, as like your uh, ACDC of music is your what grilled cheese sandwich sure. or food. Just something that is pretty universally Everybody awesome. Everybody likes it. It's ACDC. It's rock and roll. Like, Simple. And if you're going to have a restaurant... Maybe some form of ACDC should be on the menu. What I'm saying, and, and the thing where I, I wonder how hard it is to reel in, is that you get deeper and deeper into the world of things you want to experiment and play with, but the people you're often serving food to might not get as advanced or far along with food and your their palate and things like that as you would being part of food Maybe, so but, long. Yeah, but I think so I'm are you trying going, to push the boundaries? Or I'm like, not anymore. I think I'm going in the other direction. Like I used to be like, screw you. I'm going to take you guys out of your comfort zone and do mm-hmm. these crazy things. And now I feel like everybody, everybody's comfort zone, be, maybe in, in large part due to the internet and the ability to like, like if you're food obsessed, now you can learn everything there is to know about the food of the world uh, in its most authentic forms as opposed to just what I put on a plate in front of you. So, like, I feel like th- their comfort, the, the customer's comfort zone is, like, I can't even touch it anymore. Mm. And I'm actually, like, reeling back to I I want everything to be simple. Right. But, but, but from the kind of the customer point of view, I feel like it's led to people being less and less satisfied, which it seems like a bummer, as people get pickier and more specific about things. And... Maybe like with music, like I don't necessarily love every genre of music, but if your best buddy loves country music and you don't like that, your life's going to be less fun because you're going to be subjected to country music all the time. And maybe it would be more fun if you learn to appreciate it, much like you're out to dinner with me and I want to eat everything on this menu and you're picky like and you don't enjoy your dinner because you don't like cauliflower 
and it was on the plate and they didn't tell you or whatever. Like, isn't life more fun if you actually just like everything? Like, wouldn't it be more fun? Like, at some point, sure, sure then <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. just on drugs, I guess. But right. like, but it's not like someone's putting like like uh, it's like just, a protractor <laughs> on your plate. Like, it's food. Here's a plate of food. razors. Right. So, wouldn't it yeah. be more fun just to like <laughs> any food that is put in front of you? Because that's kind of in the weird place that I've come to, which is like. Anything you put in front of me, I'm probably going to be stoked. Especially if, like, the intentions... If you pulled off what you were trying to do... If you asked me how I wanted my steak cooked, and I said medium rare, and you brought me a well-done steak, then I'm probably not as thrilled because we talked about it. Right. (laughs) But if you're like... If the chef comes out and is like, this, you will not believe how good this is going to be. This is how I serve it because it's the best way. I may not totally agree with that, but, like, that's what you're going for. Then, yeah, by all means, like give it to me and i'm sure i'm gonna love it well i guess it goes down to what you're into because i the the thing you guys are talking about is interesting because i'm the same way i was an extremely particular eater when i was a kid there was and, and i was too actually as a kid very I, few things i was real picky that i would try or enjoy and as the years gone on especially being a vegetarian for over 20 years i've opened myself up to tons of different kinds of food forced myself to like certain kinds of food that i now like and and I'm at the same point as you guys where I can go to most places and if, you know, barring it's not meat, yeah, I'll, right. I'll pretty much try anything you throw in front of my face. I'll be like, all right, give it a shot. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not as good. But that being said, I am open like that now, but I feel like I'm reverting in the way that is like, all right, I've tried so many different kinds of food now and I really love these six things. And I want to eat those things as much as I can before I die. Yeah, that's instead of like <laughs> instead of just keeping like expanding my palate and trying all this different yeah. shit, I kind of want to maybe just take the six things I'm really excited about and just keep eating those until I die. Is that fair too? I think that's. I mean, I I will say that I, I again I'm I'm kind of in a similar place too, where it's like I don't go to like the exciting new restaurants anymore. That used to be so exciting for me. Now I like everything. Everything tastes good. So I don't necessarily need to go to this crazy fussy place because I'm just as happy eating the beans and rice at the Dominican place. around. I love the Dominican rice restaurant around the corner of my house, in case I have made that clear. But like, (laughs) I'm happy to just go get some beans and rice and avocado and eat that. I could eat that for pretty much every meal if if it came down to it because it's so delicious. Um, But yeah, I guess, you know, I don't know. And at the end of the day, it all none of it matters anyway. Just eat what you want to (laughs) eat. Totally. I mean, one thing I really like about the cookbook is... uh, um, I feel like I don't read a lot of cookbooks. Um, I'm sure not a lot of cookbooks are written in this way where it's almost like Dave Eggersy or McSweeney's sure. type five where it's like really funny and engaging. I mean, was that, and obviously the illustrations are amazing. I mean, was that important to you not to have it be like a typical, like 50 sandwich recipes from Tyler? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because who wants that? Right. I guess some people want that. Somebody but was it hard to sell this to be like, well, it is a cookbook. I know you you want me to do this because I'm oh yeah, yeah. Known nobody for this, wanted. But I have this conceptual idea. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, let's do the number seven sub cookbook and and your fifty best recipes. You know, like that's what. And then they still turned it down. So yeah, no, no, nobody nobody thought it was a great idea. They thought it was funny enough to like have a meeting about it, but that was about it. Because yeah. I remember we talked a little bit, like, you had told me about this idea, like, years ago. Like, yeah, I've like, been wor- weirdly, like, working on this book on and off for, like, I don't know, four or five years now. Hmm. It was a, it took a long time. And then what was it like sort of getting, because I'm not, like, super familiar with um, William Wegman, but um, 
I have some friends who work work in food or like know more about fine art and stuff, and they were like, "Wait, this can't be that guy." And yeah. I'm like, "No, I think it is. I don't know." <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's a big deal. Um, he he's he uh he my my dad until uh, several years ago he was a we lived in it because my dad taught art at Cornell, but in the seventies he taught art at uh the Uni- University of Wisconsin at Madison, and so did William Wegman, and they were buddies and um. I I kind of called him out of the blue and I was like, "Hey, this is weird." And I know you're going to say no, and that's totally fine. But like, would you maybe do like ten or so pieces of art for this cookbook that I'm working on? And he was like, "Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Never know, huh?" Really? <laughs> okay. I said I would ask, so I asked. Yeah, yeah. He said yes because it was the the what we had spoken about though was because he did the like he did those chapter openers that are like he took like 70s cookbooks and cut out images and then kind of watercolor painted around them and but those images originally it was what i had talked to you about originally which was like friends uh like dressing up like broccoli and like punching dogs in the face and stuff and that was what like we had talked about that for a long time and the publisher and I kept fighting about it because they were like these because they were all like these kind of random you know it was like roast beef and it was like a a a big beautiful chunk of roast beef sitting on the floor of a subway car <laughs> as a stand-in for the boombox for the like Showtime dudes <laughs> um and then like maybe some friend of mine looking really uncomfortable sitting right in front of it uh but anyway they they they, they the publisher was like that's just too weird it's too random um and even I had though, a fun, a bunch even of, though like, they fun... knew this was from a famous artist and all these no, things, this, they were so still... this was pre William Wakeman. Oh, this was just I see. The, what okay. I what I envisioned. Okay. Um, and and I had and I had pitched to William Wakeman that he do one of those, like that it be like one of his dogs. Because he have you have you looked at his art since? It's a like he does bit. a lot it's of the mostly... stuff with Weimar runners. Yeah, dressed up like people, and and he I think some of the most famous stuff was in Sesame Street and on Saturday Night Live and stuff. Mm. Um. But yeah, so I had all these like musicians of various degrees of fame that were going to be in these photos too, which was really fun. I was really excited about it. And then they were like, we kept having these arguments about it. We kept having meetings about it. And they'd be like, so we're still not into it. What's, you know, like, what do you think? What else do you want to do? And I kept being adamant about it and being like, you know, it was this like weird situation where it was like, this feels like a movie where I'm trying to be this like, you hired me to be this weirdo creative dude. And now you're telling me not to do what I want to do because it's too weird. Anyway, so in the end, though, I was like, all right, guys, well, what if I ask William Wegman if he'll just do all of them? He's There's no way he'll say yes. But if he says yes, can he just do whatever he wants? Because then it'll at least be like the same throughout. And they were like, yeah, sure, go for it. And so then, you know. And he actually went for it. He did. That's great. I saw yeah. that. Actually, your your father... Uh, working at University of Wisconsin led to this whole line of questioning I had about cheese curds. Okay, but then I lived Jonah, there until I was like three. So, so I- yeah, <laughs> so I, I was like, I was like, man, I love cheese curds, and I'm wondering how you can incorporate these into a sandwich. And I think you just ho- put them in a sandwich, right? 
I mean, but maybe you fry them first. But well, you put need them in to. A I mean, just cheese curd on bread, a little dry, maybe. Maybe sure. You'd have to. You'd have to juice that up a little bit. <laughs> sure. But I did. Uh, I read that. Then he loves juicing stuff up. Oh, you should see. I mean, I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting for the opportunity to do this. But can I show you a picture of the sandwich I made just this morning? Yeah, I would love to see. that. I mean, really quality stuff here. <laughs> so I'm gonna take out a picture. We'll show. put a link to this. Yeah, should we? Yeah. Maybe yeah. this could be... Yeah. I mean, one second. This is super exciting for everyone listening. I mean, it's just this morning. That's beautiful. Thank you. What is that? An egg? A fried egg? Yeah, so... How'd you get it so... Do you have a little mold for that? I don't. I'm just... I'm nice a, work, dude. Egg. Wow. It Very so, impressive. It looks so perfectly formed. Yeah, so I actually... Oh, I spent... I, I, I worked in, in food service, just not nearly as high end. Uh-huh. I worked as a, a deli man for a long time. Deli guy, pizza places. And at one of yeah. the first delis I worked, I was the uh, flat top grill bitch on Saturday. And I could take up to anywhere from like 10 to 12 sandwich orders at a time. Where was this in New Jersey? It's in Central Jersey, yeah. So, I mean, just tons of like pork roll egg and cheese yeah, i was gonna say is that a, that's a lot of pork roll huh a lot of which pork i had roll. never heard of until i don't know maybe 10 years ago what yeah. is a pork roll well pork roll it, it's it, a new I'm jersey glad thing. you brought it up it's <laughs> it's a very very new jersey thing that is absolutely huge when's the last time you had it it's probably been a while since you've been over 20 years huh? <laughs> yeah since i became vegetarian but i was a huge fan and i have found things that can mock oh, as really? vegetarian pork roll I, I have found it but pork roll it's essentially uh it's called taylor ham it's one company that makes it specifically, and it, the closest thing you could put it to is like a Canadian bacon, I guess. Yeah, it tastes like bacon, but it looks like but it's, it's circular and processed and yeah, delicious. It, it almost it's is salty as hell. Almost just okay. like a darker bologna, and, it looks like, yeah, totally. almost. And then you cook it up, you put the little slits in it so it doesn't get all bubbly and weird. And uh, yeah, and a pork roll egg and cheese sandwich is like kind of Jersey staple like you just grow up eating them i actually grew up eating a, a pork roll uh, egg and cheeseburger at a place called mr b so this sandwich you're looking at um is a uh it's a veggie burger with um a nice aged cheddar cheese mm-hmm. uh on a holla roll okay with mayo a fried egg and arugula yeah yeah and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Like, making it was not nearly as nice as eating it. So I actually made this this morning just to make. And I was like, wow, I'm so proud of the way this looks right now <laughs> that I'd love to show a professional sandwich man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you did, dude. Thank you. Thank, thank so, you But this all led to my cheese curd thing, which we're, is now a non sequitur since, okay. since you were three when you moved out of Wisconsin. But your father, um, being an art professor, I, I was wondering, like, you know, so much of, like, food preparation as far as color and spatial relations and all that is, like, super artistic, or it can be artistic sure. if, if you choose for it to be artistic. Or even the creation of them and the ingredients coming together and the experimentation always feels artistic for me. Yeah. And, and some people are the ones who are like, this is the way you do art. And some people are the jazz people who are like, ah, I like to fuck around. And this yeah. is so do you think like that connection played an influence in like the way you create food and the way you cook? Uh, 
Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I mean, like, I guess I've never thought about that too much because I always felt like I was the least artistic one in my family. My mom is an artist too. Is she? She paints and my as uh, a printmaker. And my sister went to art school. And um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny too because the 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 notion of of like cooking as art is this like weird thing that chefs who take themselves too seriously like to pretend like they don't take themselves too seriously and talk about mm-hmm. how it's not an art hmm. but it's this like weird self-deprecating thing where you're like but you actually secretly are the dude that does believe it's art and i kind of and i would like to say that I, i'll i'll formally say that i do think that there is something beautiful and it can be something beautiful and artistic about it if you want there to be um and but yeah so i think my my so my father's an artist is like a super minimal very modern kind of 60s dude um and so i don't know that my food will ever look as as like kind of simple and perfect as his art does but i definitely like have always liked to keep it pretty uh i don't know how to describe because he does these like big white canvases with like just this weird he'll like get obsessed with a shape and paint it over and over again but i liked I've always wanted the like, like the sandwiches that the sandwich shop come just wrapped in white paper and it looks like it could have come from any deli. And mm-hmm. then there's broccoli and crazy things inside of it. Um, so, yeah, so I think I, I guess I've definitely um, learned some kind of more aesthetic notions from from my dad. Cool. Makes sense. I mean, what one thing I like about the the book, too, is like you make it like nothing super complicated. Like for me. Like, whenever I look at a recipe and it has more than, like, six ingredients, I'm like, yeah. I freak out. And, like, I was talking to someone, and they're like, what's the big deal? I'm like, dude, I just physically don't know where to find stuff in the grocery store. <laughs> like if I'm looking for, like, coconut milk or something. I'll just be walking around for, like, I'm not good at, like, getting people's att- asking for Like, to me, when stuff has a lot of ingredients it's or, like, a lot of special stuff you need to make it, yeah, sure. it makes it harder. I mean, what, do you think, like, this kind of cookbook is maybe more accessible for people or do you, is that kind of important to you? Cause I feel like there's a lot of just dudes like me who are like in their thirties and never really learned how to cook, but are like, I can't yeah. afford to eat out all the time either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely, uh, yes, I want, I want people to make the food cause it turns out like when I first started, when we first opened the restaurant, we got this, uh, great write up in Bon Appetit magazine and they wanted the, they wanted like our most comp, they wanted the recipe for, what was at the time our by far our most complicated dish. And I was thrilled that they wanted that because I was like, oh my God, the whole world is going to see how badass I am and how like difficult this is. And it was this, it was this fried tofu dish that involved like breading tofu with like three different things and then making this complicated broth that involved like burning popcorn and caramelizing other things and steeping things. And then you had to pickle another thing and you had to make noodles. And it was like poach eggs and throw it in at the end and it was this like super complicated thing and i was so stoked and um at some point and it came out it was awesome and at some point like a year or so later i remember googling it and like no one there were like no review it wasn't like no one had ever made it you know, like, <laughs> and, and no one probably ever will make it so you, they found it a little too daunting and then like the next year it was the savour magazine wanted to do something they were doing a big sandwich issue and they only wanted the recipe for our pickled blueberries, which was like three ingredients. And I was like, seriously, guys, like we, we are like 
the future of we are like the most cutting edge sandwich shop in the world right now. And we're doing all this crazy stuff. And you're going to write a whole magazine about other sandwich shops and put in like a three sentence recipe from us. And it like totally bummed me out. But at some point I Googled that recipe for something. I was trying to find the I I needed it for something else. And I looked it up and like tons of people have made that one. Mm -hmm. And it was so awesome and so much more gratifying. So with the book, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure people could make the food. That said, I also wanted to like fill it with distractions of me saying crazy things in the middle of all those instructions. But yeah, um, because that's funny. But I want like the ingredients. Like I, I actually went would I kept going back through and looking at the ingredients and saying like, well, is this something that are these things that everybody can get? And if they're not, what? And you know, lots of cookbooks have substitution options, but I. But a lot of the times I just straight up, I didn't say like, use this weird lime leaf from Indonesia. Or if you don't have that, use some lime zest. I would just take the thing out if I, you know, like I would replace it if I could to make it accessible. And my inclination too with the book was to write like, and then just like, I don't know, season it till it tastes right and cook it until it looks done and whatever. But my editor was really adamant about how much easier it is to use cookbooks for a lot of people when it is really, really specific. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so all of that was like, let's make this. So that everybody can do it because that's more fun. It's just you know, in the end to see the f- people like Instagram a photo. It turns out is sure. really fun, and we've gotten a bunch of those. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah, because I feel like cooking. Like I know you, you've worked in the biz, and I, lo- I love to cook now. You love to cook. Yeah, yeah I love to. But yeah, for someone like me, like cooking is very daunting when you do. It's like you're like I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. Yeah, but even still, now I, I just went through this recently uh, for Father's Day, my first Father's Day. I found a great plant based meat company called no evil foods out of north carolina oh. that make this badass pepper chicken fake pepper chicken out yeah. of out of plant plant-based stuff uh and it's one of those ones that's really comes in basically like a blob that you can rip apart so you can yeah. cook turn it into anything so i wanted to make vegetarian fried chicken which i've always wanted to master sure and uh i'm looking through recipes and i'm like oh i grew up I love fucking Popeye's chicken when I was growing up and I still love Popeye's biscuits. Like I hope my wife doesn't listen to this one on occasion. I'll cruise by a Popeye's. I'll just go in. I'll get two biscuits and a small sweet tea. And that is <laughs> such a pleasure for me. Yep. But, um, so, I, and I go online, I'm like, Oh fuck, how do you make Popeye's chicken? So I go and I look and it's this crazy old Cajun style recipe of how you do Popeye's. It's many parts tons of shit i don't have and i was like (laughs) nope i'm like too much just too much and then i found another recipe on actually on pita.org for like some southern fried chicken recipe like eight ingredients super simple process and it's the one i've been making every time Hmm. so even for someone who cooks and likes to cook like me i can definitely say those two things for for when i'm googling a recipe yeah like something that looks simpler than another one i'll usually go to yeah sure. and i actually do prefer like quarter tablespoon of salt rather than someone going yeah spice it up right because i'm like how would you do it i'm reading this recipe to not do it how i would do it yeah totally. i'm doing it to try to do something that you're like an expert on that i'm gonna try to mock and i'm gonna get jazzy when i'm just doing my own thing not looking at your recipe yeah so as a, a layman, cooking layman, I would I would 
say that those things definitely draw me to a recipe online. Yeah, sure. Not well, that and, you asked for my advice at all. No, no, and it, yeah, <laughs> but it's valid. And with the book, I tried to keep it. Part of the reason that it's so it, it's you know it's sandwiches and then their components come after. But so it, you don't have to make every single component. Like the recipe is 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 there for you to be able to make every single thing that you put in that sandwich. But you don't, you know, you can just buy some of the things too and then right. still follow, still essentially follow the recipe and have an end result that's similar. But also, if you don't like cooking that much, you don't got to cook, dude. We no. live in New York. There's just, yeah. there's cheap food everywhere. Tons of stuff. I know. I just feel it's weird. Like, I feel like, so I'm in this. Don't C- do it for me. I'm in this CSA now. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I'm dating this girl. And CSAs we, are pressure. They're great. It's so it's, much pressure. It's pressure. I, I like it because it's, and to be, be committed, 26 weeks. Uh-huh. Wait, um, CSA, mean, this is the uh, deliverable f- recipes and that thing? No, this is um, every Saturday from 9 to 12 at McCarran Park. Second time I've done it, you go there. You have to volunteer once during the season, but you they basically give you what... There's a farm upstate, um, I can't remember what it's called, and they give you kind of whatever's in season. We have a vegetable share, a fruit share, and two egg shares. And you go between 9 and 12 Saturday, and they say, all right, today you get three zucchinis, Whatever, like I got this kohlrabi. I'm not whatever gonna, is fresh. At whatever the farm. is fresh. So yeah, and then cool. basically you have like a week till the next one, and the stuff will go bad. Oh. So you're sort of like, whenever I go out to eat or get takeout, there's sort of this guilt in the back, like you have all these fresh vegetables yeah. in your fridge. Yeah. Um, but it also is good because it does sort of force you to make stuff. Sure. Yeah. And and like vegetables that are good for you. And vegetables that are good fun. for you. Yes. But I I don't like the pressure. Personally, like, I don't like feeling, especially, we live in New York, like, if I want to cook something, I can go to a store. It's it's a wonderful thing, and I, I know that this is not the case everywhere in the world, but, you like... You just go grab ingredients. I can go, and not just ingredients, like, really awesome ingredients, yeah, 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 I, yeah. you know? And so, but, but so I... But every once in a while, I still will get sucked in. Like, I go most Saturdays to the green market with my wife, and we always buy too much stuff... And it just stresses me out because then it's like, but I want to eat pizza tonight. Right. Yeah. Man, but I have this go stuff bad. that I feel like I should cook. And it, as soon as I should cook slash eat something, you don't want to do it's it. like the only thing I don't want yeah. to eat. I want everything in the world but that one thing. I, I, I found what you said in that uh, interesting. It's something I want to ask about is how you said you feel lucky for the fact that where you live, you could walk out the front door and have access to to fresh, organic, probably yeah. good foods. And like, I can afford it. And is, you can afford it, nice right. Um, and I, I always notice from the, you know, more foodie community and sometimes the health-eating community, I, I get this sort of snub-nosed attitude that anyone could do what I do. Everyone should eat like this. If you're right. not, you're dumb, blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you feel about the fact that these foods are generally unaccessible to to a great amount of the population and what are actually like do you think there are any like real steps that cooks or growers or retailers or all these people can do to make that like type of food more readily available to to more normal people i mean the politics of that are tough i will say that like it is it is decidedly a privilege for me to be able to that i can afford these things and and the 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 fact that they're like within steps of my apartment is a huge wonderful privilege that I that I, that I'm totally conscious of. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, there's a McDonald's right down the street, and I'm not 
picketing it because I I actually secretly love McDonald's, but also it's so cheap you can buy so much food for eight dollars. Like it's an unbelievable amount of food, and no, it's not good for you, but that is what a lot of people can afford, and they don't have time to to cook these things. So mm-hmm. I would never. You know, I'm not one of those. I, I'm not, and if you read the book, I'm not uh, preaching about organic food, and I actually don't totally believe in organic anyway, but, like, I'm not preaching these kind of, like, you need to eat better food. I guess I I do kind of feel like if you can afford it, you should buy the expensive food because in doing so, you're supporting uh, a more ethical system of of everything. And, and I think to the extent that you continue, that, like, that we who can afford to buy the 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 fancy vegetables the more we do that um you know the more the more that that farm can grow and the more reasonable it might be for it to someday feed everybody at a much more reasonable price if you can't afford to buy organic fennel though don't don't do it on my account you know like that's <laughs> I'm, i wouldn't ever preach that that's an important thing so but i do think that gets lost in the conversation with a lot of these chefs and food people who are like you know, you have to eat the like the most awesome, wonderful ingredients. And like, you don't. And it not, it's not that the organic stuff even necessarily tastes that much better. But you do kind of have, again, if you can afford to do that as opposed to buying the cheapo grocery store stuff, then you kind of should because there's a lot of people who are affected by that. You know, it's not just when you buy McDonald's, it's cheap and it's not great for you. But it's also, you know, that's a big, terrible corporation that probably does some good things, but is also doing plenty of not wonderful things to to humanity and to the labor force and to blah, blah, blah. You know, you can go on and on. The people that suffer when you buy cheap things um, as opposed to when you buy ex- not across the board. I'm sure plenty of people are ripping you off with expensive things. But in general, when you're buying expensive things, it means that whoever made it is hopefully getting paid more and the the ingredients of it are, are better and blah, blah, blah. So I guess, does that make any sense? Like, sure. I buy the nice, I, I've kind of made a commitment to like, if I'm going to eat meat now, I can afford to buy the grass-fed beef that's not full of hormones and antibiotics. And like, so I should do that. It's better for me, sure, but that's not the only reason. Like, I want to support that business because that's great. But I also get that, like, that's totally inaccessible to most people. And so. Yeah, well, I mean, even just taking your money elsewhere. And I think I see that happening. The The only thing that it scares me of is the, the whole organic craze right now and the way the big companies are jumping on it where, you know, you, you go to mainstream supermarkets now yeah. and you see, ah, these are our organic crackers sure. or whatever. And that you read the back and they're clearly not organic. Yeah. Um, it's starting to look to me like the way like diet food looked in like the eighties where like this came off a good idea Sure. And then once the mainstream got a hold of it, it turned into something that like isn't real anymore. And the whole concept behind organic farming where something's literally being grown and put on your table the way Jonah has it now, I feel like people are being duped into the fact that they're maybe being healthy as a result. Yeah. But what's really healthy anyway, right? I mean, a CSA is unhealthy emotionally because you're stressed about your vegetables. (laughs) I mean, I don't in, know. in fairness, I it, I'm stressed about everything, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Someone could be like, "You're winning the lottery," or at like, least getting, oh yeah. at least you're getting fiber in your diet." Yeah, so like good. I'm going to be late for my daily massage. Like, it's, I'm going to be stressed <laughs> no matter what I'm doing. Uh, 
I, this is maybe a little bit of a non sequitur. Have you seen that Bobby Flay show, Throwdown? Uh, uh, is that the one in the studio? This one, this show is... I think so, but encapsulates I've... everything I hate about uh, Celebrity Chefs and this idea because the premise of the show, and I, I feel like I haven't talked about this in a while, is like, he goes to someone who's like, your family has cultivated this recipe for like generations. It's the best. Yeah. He's like, give me two days. I'm going to try to make it better. We'll have a throwdown, see who wins. It's like, who the the fuck do you think you are? (laughs) And it's like, and then he doesn't even like, yeah, it's like, to me, like these ideas of it's like, it's like, it's like not like an inclusive thing for me. It's like, let me prove I can do this thing better than you or something. And I I get it's TV. It's like, you need some kind of like something to rally around. But uh, I mean, what do you think as someone who like is, is like sort of a celebrity chef? I mean, what do you, I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. To me, you are. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Uh, what do you think about that culture? Because it is kind of weird. It has become this, like, this sort of thing with, like, I mean, so much money and ego, and everyone has, like, their restaurants and their cookbooks and their, I mean, like, do you feel like anything kind of gets lost when you kind of, like, elevate these people to, like, rock stars? Or do you think it's good? Or? I mean, I don't know. That that happens in every industry to some degree, yeah. though, right? Yeah, I mean, there's just... Definitely. There's the goofballs, and then there's the people who care and are are working hard at it, and hopefully those people succeed over the goofballs, but it doesn't always happen that way. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, that that show sounds horrible. (laughs) It is horrible. Um, (laughs) But, like, I still watch Chopped sometimes. Yeah. I would never go on that show. It's unreasonable to, to be handed, like seven crazy disparate ingredients and be given like 20 minutes. Yeah. Cause like, I, I, I think it's fun again, watching it. Right. I, every time I see it, I'm like, I need a solid, just five minutes of you guys not talking. Like all you guys keep talking, like turn off the cameras, give me five minutes to think about this. Yeah. 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 And then let's go. I'll do it in 30 minutes. That's fine. But I don't think they do that. From my understanding, they just, it's like, they have you ever asked to, you just go. To, anyway, but have, but, you ever, but have you ever asked to be on any of those types of shows? No, but they, they like the, we get cast casting agents like contact us sometimes about those shows, but could imagine that that top chef would love to grab you now. They're in like season what? 27. I, yeah, I don't know how that you have to like audition. I don't, but I, but I just, that I, I don't have the, uh, I don't have that kind of ego. Like I, not like, I just don't have the like stomach for that kind of stuff. I don't think like yeah. I would just get too stressed out and feel horrible about everything. I got a question about your personal favorites. Okay. Right? So I'm going to take you to like very specific different kinds of sandwich shops. Okay. And I want to know your go-to number one sandwich in these places. Okay. All Let's right. Let's do it. So you're in Bay Ridge mm-hmm. and you're at a proper old school Italian deli, good fresh bread. They make their mozzarella in house. Yeah. What do you get there? Uh, I mean, if they're making the the mozzarella, then I would probably want just something like, I, I, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in that book talking about how I don't want to eat meat all the time, Okay, but that I still do. And it, and it, and it pains me a little cause I know that it's wrong on like multiple levels and I still do it anyway. So, but that I, place I would have a, a very nice prosciutto. Yeah. I'm going to get prosciutto and the mozzarella. <laughs> I mean like, <laughs> cause it's in Bay Ridge. It's not like I go there all the time. Right. right? It's unique. Yeah. Okay. It's unique to get. Okay. So you'd get like a pretty standard, like prosciutto, mozzarella. Yeah. Do you go straight oil? Do you go vinegar? 
I don't. I don't know. I I think again, if it's also if the bread is great, it's great mozzarella. I, prosciutto ha, prosciutto is cured with salt, but it it is cured for so long that there's lactic acid in it, like mm. involved in that process. It's it's fermented, like making a pickle in a way, right? Um, so to me, that's enough acid. I don't need the I don't need the vinegar, vinegar on too it. much. Okay. I mean, I'm not mad. At, I love vinegar. I'm not sure, mad sure, sure. But I wouldn't ask for it. I would also, I, I frankly, at this place, and maybe this is going to be a bad answer for all of these, <laughs> but I would probably be like, "What's the What's the thing? Like, what should I eat? Right? What do you and guys? Then, and then they would make it for me. All right, yeah, you it. have to bail on that attitude. For okay, this game. agreed. Okay, so <laughs> now, now you're in you're in Jersey. You're in Central Jersey, mm-hmm. and you're at like a good high-end, cold sandwich, boar's head type deal. Maybe a young Benny Horowitz, the next Benny it, Horowitz behind the counter. And it would be me behind the counter. <laughs> yeah, it would. And I'd be like, yeah, hello, what do you want? Um, yeah. So, so some, we're talking just straight up we're boar's talk, head deli. We're talking good, solid, like, boar's <laughs> head deli with a couple fat guys behind the counter who clearly eat a lot yeah. of sandwiches, so you know you can trust it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably go roast beef, and then you would be like, Hot or cold, and I would say cold is fine, because I prefer that. Okay. With my boar's head. Uh, what are you going, like a cheddar with the roast beef? No, I don't do cheese on my roast beef sandwiches. Really? Not on my, on a cold roast, cold roast beef and hot roast beef, we can, they're two, they're two yeah, different animals. we're not talking an au jus here. But a cold roast beef sandwich, no cheese, because the cheese just makes it, like, I lose, I lose the roast beef, so mm. I would probably just go roast beef, red onions, and... It's either mayo or I would ask if I would ask if you had Russian dressing, and if you did, I would probably ask for that. Okay, a little Russian, I like that. Um, okay, now where um, I don't know where this could be. Uh, maybe we're out in um... and salt and pepper. By the way, I'm sorry because oh, said roast beef be. is just never seasoned enough. Oh, I get it. It would be all like cured like ham or something. I guess if you did that, but <laughs> it always needs salt. All right, now you're. You're not far from your place, and you stumble upon a really nice, like, torta place with some good, like, some good porks and stuff like that. Where are you going for, like, a Mexican or Spanish-style sandwich? Uh, that's tough. I feel like, um, yeah, I think I would probably want that braised pork shoulder, but I would be, I would struggle between that and the, like, Milanesa guy. mm because I like fr- fried things on all of my sandwiches, that would be tough. I would think I would say, "Let's get two of these, and let's go have these." And you'd be like, "I'm vegetarian." I'd be like, "That's cool. I'll, I'll eat half of each, and then I'll eat the other halves like ten minutes later." Okay. And now we're going back to Bay Ridge. Okay. But the nice deli is closed. It's late. It's like eleven. Maybe we've had a few limoncellos or something like that. <laughs> and now we're at like we're at like Tony's Pizza. Yeah. At like eleven thirty, you're not feeling a slice. You're feeling a sandwich. Where are you going then? I don't think I've ever gotten a sandwich at a pizzeria. No, not like a nice chicken parm. Something that's like true. That. I got. I've had a meatball parm from a from a pizzeria. Um, but I think if it's late and we've been drinking that much limoncello, I would probably um, at that point ask for a slice, not heated up. With like a scoop of the eggplant parm on it that I could Ooh. fold it up like a sandwich and eat it. Because I like nice. a slice of pizza as my sandwich. That's really as nice. the bread of my sandwich. Nice. Because that's because I'm an idiot. I, I like that. When I uh, used to work 
at this one pizza place called Paulie's Pizza. I convinced the guy to trust me enough to make me like the counter manager and he would leave. Yeah. And I invented eggplant parm fries where I would take some of the fried eggplant, a little sauce, put it over fries. I would do a mix of like my own three cheeses on top, bake it in the pizza oven to a nice crisp. Man, it's making me drool just thinking about it. That sounds delicious. The kind of fat boy delights I could get into (laughs) at that place. Like literally, I'd be like, yeah, I feel like a slice. Let me toss in a few moth sticks just to put on the slice and things like that. Yeah. I mean, real like, I, I had a few more pounds in those days too. So it was dangerous. I couldn't walk by the grated mozzarella bin without just taking a little <laughs> not sanitary. I wanted to, uh, <laughs> before we wrap up, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Whole Foods thing because that's your. Yeah. So, right. so you, so right now you have n- number seven Greenpoint. Uh-huh. Number seven, the Ace Hotel. Yeah. Number seven, Sub. Number seven, Fort Green. Mm-hmm. Then you. S- there's what? one in the. There's a sandwich shop in the Plaza Hotel. Okay. Plaza Hotel. And there's a seasonal one in Dumbo in the in Brooklyn Bridge Park. Okay. And when is that? Is when is that open usually? That's open uh, spring, summer, fall, but we close it for the winter. Okay. Um. But yeah, but we're about to next week. We open what we're calling number seven veggie which is a vegetarian, it's like veggie burgers and broccoli tacos and mm. vegetarian sandwiches and sweet potato tater tots kind of thing. That sounds great. Um, and that's going to be in the new Whole Foods on North 4th and Bedford. So whenever Whole Foods is open, there'll be someone, is, is it someone like who works? At the I, think, I think Whole Foods is going to be open like from 8 in the morning until midnight or something. We'll be there from... 11 to gotcha. 8 or 9 or something like that. How, I mean, what are, I mean, was it more complicated? Like, what are the logistics of doing something like that versus, like, doing your own thing where you're kind of in charge of everything? Well, they build it, which is nice. Okay. Um, food-wise, we're, we're held to, to some higher slash weird standards with some things. You know, there are certain preservatives. Like, we, you know, we have to go through... Uh, every ingredient of every ingredient that we're serving there and they have they have these these like extensive guidelines about what ingredients can and cannot be used um so that's you know a bit of a process because we don't use you know we use a bunch of stuff like from chinatown that has like occasionally a weird preservative in it that is not that cannot appear at whole foods so you know we've had to like find some ingredients to swap in for other ones and it turns out uh we can't use Heinz ketchup because it has high fructose corn syrup in it. Um, but it turns out Heinz makes one without it, and it's like Heinz organic. Anyway, it's stupid, but <laughs> we, you know, so we've had to change some things. And uh, But, yeah, but other than that, I don't know. It's just a sandwich shop. It'll just be opening a sandwich shop just at a grocery store. We also don't have to have a cash register, which is nice because they, like, we hand them their food, and then they go pay at the Whole Foods cash register, which is weirdly awesome. Yeah. I'm actually happy to hear about these Whole Foods standards. It makes the whole paychecks thing seem a little more worth it. The fact that they are actually tight as oh, to yeah, like yeah. what crosses in Dude, there. I that can, actually makes me feel better I went to about Whole Foods. spending the money at Whole Foods. Yeah. Went, They're super serious about it. Yeah, they seem very serious. You got to be careful with the... Um, I got Indian food there. And when I was in Columbus working at the Watch over the weekend, I felt like it wasn't that much food. $18. Oh, don't go to the way out section yeah, unless you want to get that just was my, trapped. That was my mistake. Yeah. And I knew it, and I did it anyways. 
That's why I'm, I've gotten to the point. I, I found a route where there's a Trader Joe's on the way to my Whole Foods, and I buy most of my, like, normal run-of-the-mill yeah. stuff that's not fresh produce or something like that at Trader Joe's just to try and save some money because it is rough over there, and getting under my budget is a task. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> um, but I have one more game to play, if you don't mind. Let's do it. So I thought it would be fun to take famous bands in history and do a quick Rorschach test with you with a food analogy. Okay. So like where, you know, Nickelback would be like, whatever, salami and cheese on white. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, Herbie Hancock is some like, you know, Ethiopian dish you, you eat with your hands or something. Yeah. Um, so, so you, do you want to play this game? Yeah, Jonah. I want you to play. <laughs> I'm too. nervous. Okay. Yeah, Jonah. Yeah, no. Jonah yeah, plays. Jonah do plays too, so we okay. can do this. Okay. <laughs> the Ramones. I feel like that's just a plain slice. No, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Slice of pizza, right? I was thinking hamburger, but slice of pizza also works. Maybe Coney out like a Nathan dog. Sure, yeah, I could see that. Okay. Madonna. Huh. Madonna. Uh. I just keep picturing a food I don't care about. (laughs) (laughs) A well-dressed food I don't want to eat. Yeah, I'm sure it's good, but doesn't interest me at all. For some reason, I'm leaning with her towards like an Asian fusion kind of dish. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Eggs Benedict. Like, it's like, (laughs) it's fancy, but like you can get it at a diner too. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's always, it has, it like, popularity goes up and down. That's good. But it's always always been around for a long time. That's good. All right, Van Halen. Van Halen. Uh, Van Halen to me is like a meatball parm, but with like a ton of pepperoncini on top. You know, that's like <laughs> the guy at the pizzeria is like, oh, no, no, no. You're, no, you, you're, I, you're going to like this. No, 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 no. This you're baby's going to burn. Yeah. Mine, mine is it has a lot of sh- shredded cheese because there's so much shredding. Sure, oh, is that Eddie Van Halen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to okay. have a lot of shredded ingredients. So just anything... So you want something julienne? Yes. For, for yeah. I can also just see like an empty plate with just awesome squiggles of beautiful sauces all over it. Yeah. That just looks like an Eddie Van Halen like guitar. Van Halen's guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. All right, Kanye. Kanye. Um. Some. I would say I don't know exactly what this is, but it's a food that everyone loves, and I just don't get. Oh. Maybe like um, like a cronut. Yeah, exactly. Like, like a fatty. Yeah, like, like people are like something people talk about a lot, and they're like, "Isn't this, this amazing?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I'm gonna go listen to No Effects. Maybe like red care. velvet cake. Yeah, anything that's hyped up that people care about. That yeah, I like. I think the cronut makes sense because it, yeah. it actually. I've never actually had one. It might be profound, but yeah. he's more successful than the cronut. I would say that's why I'm going. I mean, he's red more velvet. successful than most things yeah he is pretty yeah. successful most foods all right uh radiohead hmm radiohead i'm like the one dude in this probably in the universe that just i'm just not that into it i'm not that into it well then, then after they we stopped go making rock and roll records and they were like yeah by the way we hated making those rock and roll records that you loved so much yeah I so was what's like, a something food, very like pretentious. what's a few that used to be like a nice, good industry standard that's been tamed into something weird you don't even want anymore. Hmm. I mean, it would be like if all of a sudden New York City slice joints were like, 
we only did that because like the man made us do that. What we uh, really want to serve is this horrible cheeseburger or something, and then they just weren't right. slices anymore. Oh, yeah. so and then it's I like, felt weird yeah, for like I still want it. Yeah. So it's like De Blasio forced <laughs> me to use a cornmeal crust. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just looking to give you a slice of pizza. Yeah. Okay. I understand that. All right. Um the Beatles. I mean, we going straight blood sausage here, just English? Or? <laughs> I don't know, it's just stand, yeah, maybe like ham and cheese. I don't know, maybe just something like a classic. I would even say like peanut butter and jelly, like yeah. something that yeah. everybody likes, but there's opinions. There's yeah. crunchy versus smooth, and there's different kinds of jelly. Sure, yeah. Not everybody sure. likes the same Beatles. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. That is true. That's true. I like that. Uh, what about Jay-Z? Hmm. Um... What are you thinking here? <laughs> See, I'm thinking like maybe for him, I'm thinking maybe like good fast food. Like he's like a burger and fries to me, but he's like fresh cut fries and like actual like handcrafted burger. So if he's like that guy, maybe he's like in and out or he's like, you know, a five guys, like a little bit of a high higher end. Sure. Dig, yeah. Maybe. Digging on that. Yeah. I mean. I, I would say probably something that's a little overrated, but not bad. <laughs> <laughs> like Chipotle. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Jay-Z's Chipotle. Yeah, Jay-Z's Chipotle. <laughs> okay. 100%. And last one, Zepp. Oof. What's Led Zeppelin food? What's Led Zeppelin food? I just, it's like something that's so great, but that but that maybe... You're sick of everybody still always yeah. referring to it as the only food that matters yeah. mm. to some degree. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah, gotta yeah. be food that's a little heavy. They're a heavy band. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Maybe like a steak? Yeah, is it like, like a, a big like fried chicken mashed potato dinner? Maybe. Maybe because because that makes sense because fried chicken mashed potatoes, it's delicious, it's wonderful. It's heavy. Can't deny it. You can't have that all the time. Yeah. You can't have it all the but time. But it is the like People obsess about fried chicken. And, and every time you're going to have it, you're going to be like, it's fucking it dope. Is, hey, it's pretty yeah. dope. Every no time. arguing with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Cool. But, but you don't want to, like, you don't want to talk about fried chicken all the time either. Yeah. Like, we get it. It's good. It's great. It's perfect. <laughs> Let's move on. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. I wish I'd sat in on that, man. It was very interesting. And you should, you should sit in on all these fucking emo podcasts and like finally get something a little bit different. Yeah. You're always invited, Brad. Emo and actresses. What the hell? I know. Um, but yeah, Tyler's, <laughs> Tyler's cookbook, a super exciting cookbook about sandwiches um, with illustrations by William Wegman is out now. I would highly recommend it. It's, it's a really, really good cookbook. Um, and if you're in New York, check out one of, Tyler's Restaurants, um, number seven in Greenpoint is great. Uh, there's one in the Plaza, Dumbo, uh, Ace Hotel. There's the restaurant in Fort Greene, and there's one in the new Whole Foods in Bedford. Um, my friend Chris manages the one in Greenpoint, and he's awesome. So say say what's up to him. It's and, really family business for you here. Yeah. Yeah, I've been going there for years. Do you, do you own stock in this company? I Come wish on. I did, to be totally honest. <laughs> if I was smarter, I would. Or if I had money, I would definitely invest in Tyler. Um, but yeah, check out his cookbook. Thanks for, thank you, Tyler, for coming by. Make a delicious sandwich at home. Save some money. I'm talking to whoever's listening to this, not, <laughs> not to Tyler. I'm sure, sure Tyler knows how to make sandwiches at home all the time. Um, oh, and also special thanks to Benny for helping, 
uh, host this podcast. Uh, we talked about sandwiches a lot. Benny's a sandwich expert, and I should have mentioned him earlier, but I forgot. <laughs> and he's going to be mad at me, and Benny, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but in case you were wondering who was chiming in, it was Benny. Sorry, it's been a long day. And if you want to support this podcast, go to goingofftrack.com, leave us a donation, tweet at us, Facebook, tell your friends, um, and support the people we have on here. Buy Benny's Bottom Feeder EP, buy Tyler's Cookbook, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you. Bye.